Come with me, and we'll be in a world of pure imagination. Hey there, and welcome to a special episode of Post Credits with Gil Garcia, where we go beyond the final scene. We have made it to the final week of the season of giveaways, and congrats to our second winner, Phil G. Congratulations, Phil. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast since its inception. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to me each week. I'll be reaching out to you for your prize. And with that, we have one more $25 gift card to give away this season. And you could be the one to win it. Remember, it's an Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, Best Buy, Amazon, Target, whatever. Whatever retailer you decide, you can win a $25 gift card for those retail places. The rules of the contest are very simple. First thing you got to do, follow the show on Instagram or X. The username is PCWithGill. Later in the episode, I'll provide you a key phrase, so listen out for that. Once you hear the key phrase, share it on your Instagram, X, or both. And make sure you tag the show. You get one entry per social media platform. And now this week's contest is the final one of our season of giveaways. We've ran two already this month. And this contest this week will end on December 23rd at midnight Pacific. So you want to get your entries in as soon as possible. I'll be sharing the name of the winner on next week's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom episode. So be sure to follow on Spotify as well. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss an episode. Since this will be my final episode prior to Christmas, I want to wish you and your family, wherever you are, a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Let's now look at the film of the week. Today we are covering Wonka from the mind of Roald Dahl. Is 2023's Wonka a cheap nostalgia grab, or does the film offer a deeper look at our beloved chocolatier? Come with me, we'll be in a world of pure imagination. Here is Act 1, Connections and Expectations. In 2023's Wonka, with dreams of opening a shop in a city renowned for its chocolate, a young and poor Willy Wonka discovers that the industry is run by a cartel of greedy chocolatiers. Wonka is directed by Paul King, also famous for Paddington and Paddington 2, and it's written by Simon Farnaby, Paul King, and Roald Dahl himself. It stars Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka, Olivia Colman as Mrs. Scrubbit, Keegan-Michael Key as the Chief of Police, Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa Lofty, Calla Lane as Noodle, and Patterson Joseph as Slugworth. The definitive adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory will always be the Gene Wilder film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that came out in 1971. To so many people and generations, the film is absolutely timeless, from the colorful pageantry of the Oompa Loompas to the dark humor of Willy Wonka himself. The movie has a beautifully twisted, heartfelt messaging behind it, and ever since I was a kid, I was enamored by it. Gene Wilder was my personal favorite actor growing up. So much of my passion for film came from watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Silver Streak, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, and even The World's Greatest Lover, which was a birthday present I got one year. (laughs) Gene had this crazy way of evoking a sincerity with manic energy in his performances. 
He could portray the craziest characters, but give them an incredible amount of heart. And part of the reason why Willy Wonka became a cinematic legend all these years is because of Gene Wilder's performance. His portrayal is a testament to his genius. It's a showcase of everything he can do as an actor. It was fantastic. But with such high expectations and such an enormous reputation that Willy Wonka was left by Gene Wilder, it sadly leaves a huge top hat to fill for other actors. We all knew studios were eventually going to try and reboot the film, and thus came the infamous and highly controversial Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka is a huge pain point in the legacy of the Roald Dahl character for me. To many people born between 1999 and 2010, Johnny Depp is their definitive Wonka. And I can't blame them because that's probably the movie that they grew up with, obviously. It had so much CGI and modern filmmaking. Kids grew up with that film. And I do appreciate Johnny for attempting to bring something to the character that was completely different from Gene Wilder's. It was like his own interpretation of Willy Wonka. But his portrayal certainly reflects the tone and the themes of Tim Burton's vision for the film. It doesn't leave Johnny Depp as feeling quite unique and fresh as he normally does in most of his films. Recently, I revisited Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in preparation for this review. When I first watched the movie all those years ago, I was very lukewarm on Johnny Depp. Granted, I was going out on a date with a girl at the time. I didn't find what he was doing offensive to Gene Wilder or to the source material, but I just didn't like it. In fact, in a weird way, you can argue that Tim Burton's film is more accurate to the source material. Unfortunately, I don't think his accuracy to the source material trumps creativity. There are some interesting visuals in that Tim Burton film, but Depp and Burton's film is so bland, lifeless, humorless, and drab. Johnny Depp's Wonka, in my opinion, is pretty terrible upon rewatching it. It isn't that he is creepy, it's just that he's trying too hard to reinvent the character as Bizarro Jack Sparrow. The whole movie is unsettling with some of the ways he stares at the kids and the way he clacks his teeth. It's watchable for sure, but it's unsettling and it lacks heart. There really is no character arc for anyone in that movie besides Willy Wonka, especially Charlie. Charlie was always the heart and soul of the Roald Dahl books. With Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, it's more about Willy Wonka, and you don't feel like Charlie gets enough of a character arc to make it feel gratifying at the end when he wins the whole factory. Now, it's only natural that when this movie was first announced, discourse surrounding Johnny Depp, Gene Wilder, and Timothy Chalamet was going to pick up steam. Passionate people online have been debating which actor is better, which film is better, and both coming together to collectively shit on Timothy Chalamet's casting, much like people did with Heath Ledger when he was first cast as the Joker. They were quick to write off this movie as an unnecessary cash grab, a soulless CGI snooze fest, and a sign of creative bankruptcy. And in this era of cinema, we have seen the rise of requels, prequels, and alternate universe sequels, like Michael Keaton's Batman showing up in The Flash. So, I don't really blame people for being cautiously optimistic for a movie like this, where they take a beloved character or IP and attempt to contemporize it for modern audiences. We've been accustomed to that more recently. And to be more accurate, we have seen Disney and Warner Brothers struggle mightily this year. 
Disney has had box office bomb after box office bomb. Meanwhile, Warner Brothers has delayed tentpole action films like Wonka, Aquaman, Dune got delayed. So they're in the middle of reconsidering their whole strategy just because of the way people are responding to the box office. The numbers are not there. Facing an uphill battle, Wonka had all the prime makings of another box office disappointment for the studio. And before we get to the review, I just want to encourage everyone to go into this movie with an open mind. Oftentimes when a film like this comes along, people will abstain from watching it because of their own prejudices against the movie's existence. They will chime in online and revolt against Wonka because it's not Johnny Depp. It's not Gene Wilder. And for this review, I went into it with a clear mindset. And I was hoping to get a better appreciation for Roald Dahl's material and for the character of Willy Wonka himself. And hopefully, I will guide you into opening your mind and imagination with this thorough look at 2023's Wonka. It's time for Act 2 of the podcast. This is the review. I would like to first remind you that today's review will remain spoiler-free until after our outro music, so as to allow you to hear what I thought about the movie and decide for yourself if it's worth watching in the theaters. On this podcast, we like to discuss the merits of CGI and practical filmmaking. I tend to lean heavier on the side of practical filmmaking, since it gives artists a tangible way to express the story, atmosphere, and setting in a creative way. Wonka is a very imaginative and creative film that harkens back to the days of musical whimsy and wonder, throwing back to films like Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music, and of course, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And for a film that I thoroughly enjoyed through and through, I will have to knock down this movie a bit for its over-reliance on CGI. I would have liked to have seen more practical filmmaking in this movie. You see, what separates Wonka from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a supernatural and magical element thrown into this world, which is dazzling and wonderful, but also lends the film to needing to use more special effects. The original pitch for this movie is that it is a prequel to Gene Wilder's films, but I also see where they deviate greatly from it. In this movie, Wonka starts off as a magician that is street peddling chocolate. So that whimsy that you saw in the original film, you know, like the fizzy lifting drinks and stuff, it is still very much practical in this world because Willy Wonka has a skill for levitation and magic tricks. And Timothy Chalamet's performance, my God, this kid is awesome in this movie. (laughs) Timothy Chalamet performs Wonka with such an optimistic spirit and sprite. He's blissfully unaware of the seedy underworld of the city he's in, and he thus gets caught into a slave ring. Yes, you heard that right. He gets caught in a slave ring. The darkness and the messaging of this film is easy to get glossed over because it's presented in such a beautifully digestible way. Audiences don't have to think too hard about the malevolence of the movie's antagonists because it doesn't want to be taken too seriously. Now, I know that sounds like I'm giving the film a pass for providing a plot that's dismissible, but in fact, it's quite the opposite. Unlike other movies where turning off your brain and suspending your disbelief is a requirement just because they're dumb movies, I'm talking about the Transformers, the Minions, and the Adam Sandler movies of the world, 
Wonka hopes that you will suspend your disbelief so that you can immerse yourself in the wonder and the imagination of Willie as he believes he can achieve his dreams. And therein lies the heart of the film. Willie's imagination can be a bit jarring at first with the opening segments of the movie, but it plays an important role in getting us to root for him. We see the world through his lens and we understand what he wants to achieve in life. We often see dream sequences where he is coordinating a musical number with city citizens in front of a marquee of his shop, him flying on rooftops of Paris with Noodle, and intimate moments with his mother when he was younger. And because of these heartfelt triumphant moments, I can look past the overabundance of CGI. It's intended to feel like a dream. It's intended to be presented from the mind of Willy Wonka, and I have to say I think it's wonderful. Some musical numbers may be hit or miss perhaps even forgettable, but boy does it tug at your heartstrings when we finally hear Timothy Chalamet's rendition of Pure Imagination. This is a solid, wholesome film that crowds will love should they give it its proper respect. Timothy isn't the only one doing great work here though. Let's appreciate the rest of the cast. A couple standouts for me are Olivia Coleman, Hugh Grant, Keegan-Michael Key, and Kala Lane. Olivia Coleman is an Academy Award winner. She won her Oscar for The Favorite. She portrays a slimy hotel owner who teaches Willie to always read the fine print as a good callback to the original movie. <laughs> her vibrant yellow teeth, staunchy dress, and overtly cockney accent paints her as a villain that I never thought I would need to see in a Willy Wonka film. She feels almost like she belongs in a movie like Matilda, like Miss Trenchbull. I appreciate Olivia Coleman so much in this movie for taking big acting swings. She chews the fuck out of the scenery with every scene she's in, and her whole evil-for-the-sake-of-being-evil attitude is quite hilarious. There was nothing empathetic about her. This isn't Thanos, for example. And for a movie like this, we just needed a good old-fashioned evil villain that we can clearly root against unapologetically. And Olivia Coleman was fantastic here. Let's talk about Hugh Grant. Now, although his appearance in the film is pretty brief, Hugh Grant does leave a lasting impression on the audience each minute that he's on screen. Sure, his CGI could be a bit distracting at times, but he certainly does look like he fits into the Gene Wilder universe of Willy Wonka films. Grant also does his own rendition of the classic Willy Wonka themes, the Oompa Loompa song, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I really like this late stage renaissance for Hugh Grant. He's taking some big risks in comedic roles. I don't know if you guys watched this movie, but he was also great in the Dungeons and Dragons movie earlier this year. And if you missed out on that movie, I would say check it out. It's on uh, Paramount+. Plus. But here, you're going to love him as the Oompa Loompa Lofty all the same. He is fantastic in this movie too. Let's talk about Keegan-Michael Key from Key and Pill fame. It was a bit of an odd casting choice when I first researched this film. I was like, what is this guy doing in this movie? In a talent pool full of British actors and set in a post-1940s era town, I was curious why they would bring a well-known American actor into this movie. After all, this film was filmed in London, Paris, and I think a little bit of uh, Bruges as well. But the reason they brought him in is abundantly clear very early on. Key plays an antagonistic comedic character that is both bumbling and good at his job. 
His wisecracking vaudevillian accent is a nice change from the rest of the cast and helps him stand out. There's a pretty hilarious plot twist with this character midway through the film that not only is extremely funny, but it makes an insane amount of sense in the context of the wackiness happening on screen. I really liked Keegan-Michael Key here. And the last character I want to talk about is Kala Lane. She plays Noodle. Kella Lane is an interesting character in this movie. She's an orphan at the hotel that Mrs. Scrubbit runs. She is the catalyst for most of the movie's heart. She gives Willie someone that he can relate to. In servitude to Mrs. Scrubbit, Noodle is a key component to helping Willie rise to fame and get out of poverty. I will discuss it in the post credit spoiler discussion later on in the episode, but there's a scene near the end of the movie that is a real tearjerker involving Noodle. And it got a lump in my throat. I got pretty emotional watching it. I was really surprised by the amount of heart, humor, and care that went into this movie. This could have been a piece of shit that everyone could dismiss, but I actually really enjoyed this movie a lot. Now here's a bit of a depressing confession. Knowing that Paul King wrote this movie and hearing the great things that I've heard about Paddington and Paddington 2... I have to sadly confess that I've never watched any of the Paddington movies. I think for a while there, Paddington 2 was the highest rated movie on IMDb with a solid 10 out of 10 score with thousands of reviews. It was beating out The Godfather, actually. But I've never seen it. I've never watched it, but I hear great things about it. All that I've heard about those movies have been extremely positive. Some people from the entertainment industry even point to Paddington 2 as one of the kindest, most heartwarming movies that they've ever seen. And after watching Wonka, I'm now excited to go back and revisit those Paddington movies. I really want to watch them now because I've seen what Paul King can do. Wonka, I imagine, is written pretty much in the same vein as those films, and it is humorous throughout, but also sentimental when it needs to be. Of course, the movie isn't without its flaws. Wonka is a film that features some questionable CGI, and if you're not prepared for it, some extremely high cases of disbelief suspension. The story beats surrounding the chocolate cartel are absurd, bizarre, and I'm not quite sure if they fit into the connection to Gene Wilder's universe. Ultimately, I look past these connectivity issues by just assuming that this version of Wonka is influenced by Gene Wilder, but it's not exactly Gene Wilder's character that we're watching on screen. And when you paint the story in that sense, you're going to have a good time with it. I can undoubtedly say that Wonka is far greater than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but will not surpass the original in my opinion. I give Paul King's Wonka a solid four and a half out of five. It's an easy film for me to endorse, and I recommend to all audiences. It's a crowd-pleasing, humorous good time that wastes no time getting to what makes Roald Dahl's works special to so many generations. This movie is a well-made family film, great for kids and adults alike, and you'll have a good time. I recommend you go watch it in the theaters for sure. So now is an appropriate time for me to give you this week's key phrase for the Season of Giveaways contest. This week's key phrase isn't much of a key phrase at all. Instead, it's a key word. So to enter the contest, tag the show on Instagram or X using the keyword snozberries in your post. Good luck to you, and I'll be announcing the winner on next week's episode. The next part of the show is where I give you Rotten Tomatoes reception, some differentiating opinions, and a few filmmaking factoids. This is Act 3. 
Looking at the numbers, Wonka is looking very healthy at the box office this weekend. On a budget of $125 million, Wonka has already made $39 million over its opening weekend. For comparison, Disney's The Marvels made just $6 million more than this movie did on opening weekend. However, that movie was shot on an overbloated $350 million budget, almost tripling what Wonka was made for. And it only made $6 million more than Wonka. To put that into perspective, the Marvels just recently ended its theatrical run and it did not make its budget back in the theaters. Wonka may make its budget back by New Year's Day. The other thing that Wonka has going for it that the Marvels didn't is the critical reception and the word of mouth. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, Wonka has gone certified fresh at 84% approval rating from critics, which is only 7 points shy of the original Gene Wilder picture, which is holding at 91%. I'm also extremely happy to report that audiences agree with critics on this one. General audiences give Wonka a 91% approval rating, so it isn't just the critics that are gushing about this movie, it's the audiences too. This is a crowd-pleasing film. The critic consensus says that with director Paul King at the helm and some solid new songs at the ready, the warmly old-fashioned Wonka puts a suitably sweet spin on the classic character while still leaving some room for the source material's darker undertones. You know what? I'm going to do something different this week. For the past couple months, I've been showcasing some one-star reviews and some five-star reviews. But I'm going to go ahead and punt this week's one-star reviews on this segment. Because I think this movie deserves the love and admiration that it's getting. I don't want to bring anyone's unwanted one-star review into this uh, review. Because it's going to bring down our vibe. So instead, I'm just going to give you a couple five-star reviews written by the audience. Manny C., a verified audience reviewer on the website, writes, What a pleasant surprise. A prequel worthy of the original. Outstanding performance by Timothy Chalamet. Excellent cast and musical numbers. An exceedingly great movie treat. I couldn't have said it better myself, Manny. I was really shocked by how much I enjoyed this movie, and you're right, it is worthy of the original film. Austin M's review perfectly sums up what I think most people were expecting going into this movie. He says, I wasn't sure about seeing this movie at first when it was first announced, but after I saw the trailer, I was sold. This prequel to the original Gene Wilder film is perfect. It's able to capture the same magic, weirdness, and heart that the original one had. Timothy Chalamet gives an outstanding performance as a young Willy Wonka as well. Absolutely recommend, and this is a must-see in theaters as well. I'm not going to lie, guys. I really think this movie is going to have legs when it reaches home video. I'm for sure going to buy it on 4K disc when it's available for pre-order. It's not often where I see a movie, I enjoy it in the theater, but then the more I speak about it, the more I grow to love it. But this movie does that, and I hope you guys out there go out and give it a chance, even if you have to wait to stream it. This is a must-see. Let me now give you some filmmaking factoids before we wrap up the spoiler-free segment of the show. First factoid. Director Paul King said he gained about 50 pounds from all the chocolate he ate on set and added, It's a miracle that Timothy Chalamet remained so slim and handsome. (laughs) King explained, 
We had this incredible chocolate here. She made these incredible concoctions and we would taste them. They tasted much better than they needed to because obviously actors are good at pretending things, but the miracle was that they tasted every bit as good as they looked. I like that. I like that they actually ate chocolate on set (laughs) and that there was this crazy woman behind the scenes that was actually living out the fantasy of Willy Wonka. (laughs) Did you guys know that Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet were the two finalists for the role of Willy Wonka, with Chalamet ultimately winning the role? Thank God, after seeing Tom Holland pretend to be Nathan Drake in Uncharted, I think I'm okay with not seeing him act for a while. And let's get to the final factoid, and it's one that I alluded to earlier in the podcast. The design of the Oompa Loompas is taken straight out of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971, the first adaptation of the novel. The original novel had no specific depictions of the Oompa Loompas, except that they have to be knee-length height, have long hair, and they speak their own language. This movie kind of keeps it consistent to the original vision of the Oompa Loompas. And so with that, my friends, we have reached the end of our spoiler-free review of Wonka. You are cordially invited to stick around after the credit song to hear me gush about the plot details of the movie. But should you want to stay clear of spoilers, this is where we part. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. I had a lot of fun, and I really do endorse this movie. So go out, support your local cinemas, and watch it on the big screen. Next week will be the final episode of Season 1 of Post Credits with Gil Garcia as we review Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Be sure to follow the show on X and Instagram at PC with Gil and get those final entries into our Season of Giveaways contest. And also, subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube so you don't miss an episode. And once again, I wish you and your family a happy and safe holidays. Now, even though she was briefly shown in the trailer, Sally Hawkins was phenomenal in this movie as Mrs. Wonka. Her presence is felt throughout the entire film, and it is the most heartwarming and crushing aspect of this movie. I kind of got the sense from the trailers that she would tragically die or something, but they give her enough screen time to really make that pain settle in Wonka's behavior. Chalamet does a good job of showing us that the Wonka showmanship persona really is a facade for the heartache he feels for his mother's death. He carries that with him, and there's a darkness behind his happiness. It becomes even more brutal that he holds on to the hope that she will be there in person for him when he finally shares his candy with the world. There's always a sense of darkness to our favorite chocolatier's sense of humor and madness, and this is the reason why. Some people have even made the connection that the Chocolate River Fairy that we see in the original Willy Wonka film is an homage to his mother since his best memory of her was that on the boat. It's all really touching. I also love that her handwriting makes the beautiful Wonka wrapper logo, which really tugs at the heartstrings when he pulls it out to share with his friends at the end of the film. But what really got me to tear up in this movie was that fucking golden ticket. (laughs) Even though I knew it was coming, right? I knew once he unwrapped that chocolate bar, we were going to see the golden ticket under there. It fucking hits like a brick, dude. 
And Sally Hawkins' narration, it just plays on your emotions when you're watching it. It's like when Peter Quill's mother refers to him as her little Star-Lord at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It's so gut-wrenching. It's, oh my god, dude. I had a lump in my throat. <laughs> god damn it. Just, just talking about this is making me choke up. It's just so freaking beautiful and wholesome, man. And the movie ends on an extremely high point shortly thereafter when Noodle meets her mother at the library for the first time. And they do it to us again. They pull at our heartstrings and they punch us in the gut. In another emotionally moving moment, Timothy Chalamet's pure imagination plays over as Noodle embraces her mother for the first time in her life. I swear, man, there was not a dry eye in the theater at this moment. And I can audibly hear the women that were sitting beside me and behind me in the theater sniffling throughout the final 15 minutes of this movie. It's that heartwarming. The movie just perfectly comes around and bookends all its themes and emotional story beats in a very huge way. And it's hard not to like what you're witnessing on screen. But, you know, let's liven up the mood a bit. Let's talk about the comedy. Surely you can't have a Willy Wonka movie without having some hilarious elements in there, right? Well... Not unless you're Tim Burton. <laughs> there were some really strong comedy bits in this movie, like the one where Keegan-Michael Key gains about 100 pounds from the chocolate bribery. <laughs> it was so unexpected but hilarious when he gets out of the car. The prosthetic and makeup team did a great job at making him get fat, too. It's, it looks funny. <laughs> but what may go under the radar as the single funniest line of dialogue that I've heard all year comes from the next cop in line for the chief of police. While Key is attempting to thwart Wonka from street peddling his chocolate and starting his business, he finally catches on to them using the sewer system to get around town, when his second-in-command responds to his futile efforts by saying, Uh, shouldn't we get back to those unresolved murders? <laughs> it completely shatters the fourth wall in a split second. And it recognizes the absolute batshit craziness of the situation the police are in. Rather than pursuing unresolved murders throughout the town, they're chasing after a guy selling chocolate on the street. <laughs> it took a minute for the audience I was in to catch the joke, but when it hit them, everyone started laughing. It was really understated and really well used. As for the music of this movie... I definitely would put it up there with Mary Poppins and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Even though I wasn't a fan of the Scrub Scrub song at first, it did grow on me the second time they played it in the movie. I think it's kind of catchy and really energetic. Noodle has her own musical number that is very reminiscent of Cheer Up Charlie from the original film. By that, I mean reminiscent of the fact that I used to skip that segment of the movie all the time. <laughs> Perhaps I'll do it to Noodle this time. <laughs> but I'm just joking. Her and Timothy Chalamet have great chemistry together on screen as platonic friends and business partners through and through. They don't have any type of romantic connection whatsoever. Now, I only vaguely touched on them, but the chocolate cartel must also be talked about here. What I initially thought was going to be a troublesome and completely insane plot point turned out to be a gut-busting and ridiculous twist on mafia stereotypes. The chocolate cartel run the streets of this town and no vendor or entrepreneur in town can set up shop without the discretion of Slugworth, Fickle Gruber, and Prodnose. 
These three actors are hamming up the screen and playing their parts in this really, really stupid idea perfectly. The notion that they can control the city's police force, get people murdered, and hold a secret religious clergy under their wings is fucking insane. And you know what? It's so stupid and so crazy that I loved it and I bought into it. I do think it bends the rules and the established lore of the Gene Wilder film quite a bit if this is truly connected to the original movie. But nevertheless, it allows for Willie to undergo a lot of hijinks and reference the original film a lot more. I do have some problems with the plot becoming a heist film towards the end, but it's wrapped up so neatly that I can look past it. If there was one thing I was disappointed with in this movie, it would have to be Rowan Atkinson's appearance. It has been so long since I've seen him act in a big-budget theatrical film, so I was genuinely excited to see what he could bring to this story. But sadly, Rowan Atkinson brings nothing. As the head of the chocolate clergy, he practically sits out for the entire movie till the third act. He has some funny moments and brief one-liners, but they're not memorable enough to leave an impression. In fact, at a certain point, I said out loud, Oh yeah, I forgot he was in this movie. And you never want that. Now, I think this movie does open the possibilities of an immediate sequel, seeing that Lofty, um, Hugh Grant's Obolopa character, and Willie have a mutual understanding to become partners. They don't actually become partners at the end of the film, but since they clearly saved one another's lives, they will end up constructing the chocolate factory that Willie dreams of. It's shown beautifully in a CGI rendition at the end of the film, where you see the original factory get constructed from scratch you can see all the cogs and whistles and bricks being built it's beautiful i love the way that this movie ends i think i would be on board for a sequel i would definitely watch another wonka movie but they would have to keep the cast crew and director the same on the next movie should they switch everyone's hands count me out i think wonka is a perfectly good standalone that honors the original and separates itself from the garbage Tim Burton adaptation. If this movie ends up being a one-off, then I'm completely satisfied and I'm impressed. So with that, it is curtain call for me here on this episode. Once again, thank you guys for hearing me gush about this movie. I really did enjoy it, and I think you will too. Have a great week, and go catch a movie.